sit at the corner bar and say, hey, you complaining about Hootie's draft down there? Let me buy you a beer and tell you what you should really be mad about. Took a punter in the fifth round. Nobody's punting this year. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. When did the World Series finish? Real question. Was it last week? Three weeks ago? Three months ago? Mentally, I'm, I'm still in March. I have no clue. I couldn't tell you when the World Series ended. I have no concept of time in 2020. But since the World Series has ended, however long ago that was, we've been talking all football, right? We've been talking Packers, basically all Green Bay Packers, all NFL. Sure, we've touched on the Badgers here and there, but they've only played one game. Like, there's only so much to talk about. Yeah, Grant Mertz, exciting, great. Okay, let's take three weeks off. We haven't had a chance to talk about the Badgers. When we've talked about the Badgers, we've talked mostly about COVID. That's the worst. I don't like doing that. We've kind of put the NBA out of our mind. The NHL isn't really on our radar right now. But yesterday, yesterday, all of that changed. All that changed yesterday. No longer worried about baseball. Maybe not worrying about college basketball quite yet, although we're getting there. But you know what is back? You know what changed yesterday? The NBA is back, baby. It's back in full force. And I'm not talking about the games, but let's be real. The games are only part of what makes the NBA amazing. Yesterday, we got some drama. We got some rumors. We got the NBA back yesterday. Let's start with that. Some amazing, awesome, crazy news. And it's about time, NBA. It had been a couple of weeks without being overly dramatic. So they were due due for a couple of big breaking news stories. My name is Grant Bills. It's the Wisco Sports Show. We're not going not to talk about the NBA for two straight hours. No, 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 no. But it is the big story of the day. We're going to talk Badgers and Bucks coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to compare the two. Badgers basketball, Milwaukee Bucks, both in an interesting situation, especially schedule-wise right now because there's so much up in the air. We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes. Andy Herman will join us coming up at 4.30. Packer Report. Pack-A-Day podcast. He, he really does Packer coverage for everyone. He knows everyone. He is all-seeing, all-being. Uh, he is omnipresent. Andy Herman, really the Packers fandom icon, will join us coming up at 4.30 to preview the Jacksonville Jaguars, sure, but we can have bigger and better conversations than just about playing Jacksonville on Sunday. That's coming up at 4.30. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground today, and I'm glad you're here. You're always welcome to text the show, 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. And if you're on Twitter, you can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant as well. Let's get into the big news of the day. The NBA. Even if you're not a fan of the NBA, maybe it's not your favorite league. You're more of a football fan. Blue collar, right? America. Football. That's right. I I, I love football too. Not hating on that. Maybe you don't like getting caught in the the pomp and circumstance of the NBA. Maybe they're too political for you. Okay. I hear you. I I, I see you. I I know where you're coming from. Not going to argue with you there. But you got to admit that the NBA unlike any other sports league in this country, maybe in the world, although I don't, like, maybe cricket in India is really dramatic. I guess I couldn't tell you. But in this country, the NBA has got a monopoly, a sports monopoly on being overly dramatic, really for no reason whatsoever. Like, we rarely go a week or two with the NBA not doing something overly dramatic with some sort of breaking news from a player or for a team, a coach, a GM. It's always extra. It's always over the top. And even if the NBA isn't your favorite league, you got to recognize they might be the Kardashians of the sports world. But the Kardashians are popular for a reason because they're always doing something that makes you want to pay attention. Okay, and up until yesterday, the NBA offseason talk has been about like Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. It's like, well, should the Bucks make a play for Bogdan? Oh, I don't know. Who, care? Who cares? If that's the leading story of the offseason, it's a boring offseason. And I love Bogdan Bogdanovich. I love my Sacramento Kings, but that's not exactly A-plus sports conversation. That's not exactly A-plus sports radio. That's boring. If Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich are leading a talk show, it's probably going to be a pretty boring talk show. And I love those players, but come on. That's not Kawhi Leonard. That's not LeBron James or Anthony Davis. It's it's Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? That that makes for boring radio. Now, yesterday, a little bit of a shakeup. Woj bombs were dropping left and right. Reports were dropping left and right, not just from Woj, but from Shams Sharania as well. And when I was reading all this stuff yesterday, I just thought, here we go. 
Like, you know, Heath Ledger is the Joker in the Dark Knight. He goes, and here we go. Yesterday in the NBA, we're off and running, baby. This offseason might be short. It might be weird because it's in November. But the NBA is back. Two huge news stories yesterday. One of them impacts the Bucks a little bit more. So we'll start with that one. But the bigger story is, oh my God, it's amazing. Hook it into my veins. That's about the Houston Rockets. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. First, let's start with the story that might just actually maybe possibly impact our team, the Milwaukee Bucks. This is the Wisco Sports Show after all. Victor Oladipo. Indiana guy, right? Badger basketball fans, you'll remember Victor Oladipo, even if you don't watch the NBA. He's bounced around a little bit from spot to spot, and he's made a home for himself in Indiana. Problem is, he's been getting hurt. He hasn't been able to stay on the court, at least recently. And we all knew that Victor Oladipo was possibly going to be on the move. I think Indiana's been looking to move him. Victor Oladipo wants to change the scenery. But I guess we didn't really know the full extent of this story. J. Michael of the Indy Star... Uh, had a story yesterday that made me, um, excuse me, what was, what was that? Come again? I, I knew Victor Oladipo was going to be on the move, but I didn't know that this was going on. This is part of the report from Jay Michael of the Indy Star. This is in his piece, which you got to subscribe to read. And unfortunately, I don't subscribe to the Indy Star. Uh, maybe I'll speak with my, my boss about possibly getting a couple of bucks to subscribe to this fine newspaper. Uh, th- this is the report that Victor Oladipo in front of his teammates during games or before and after games would go to opposing players and say, hey, can I come play with you guys? Can you please trade for me? I want out of here. I don't want to be in the Pacers anymore, which is understandable. Right? Like, I'm, I'm sure not every athlete is 100% content with where they are, but you don't say it out loud in front of your teammates during a competition. You just It's weird. You don't do that. This is the piece from J. Michael in the Indy Star. It happened versus the Toronto Raptors. It happened versus the Miami Heat. It happened versus the New York Knicks. Can I come play with y'all? Or some iteration of that puzzling statement. That's what Victor Oladipo said in front of his Indiana Pacers teammates. Increasing the agitation with the star guard in the locker room. Three league sources with direct knowledge of the situation told Indy Star. Aaron Turner, Oladipo's agent, didn't respond to requests for comment. That That's just, that's weird. And maybe in my mind, I had this image of Victor Oladipo, what he is, who he is, played in the Big Ten, class act, right? We just, hey, we love our Big Ten guys. They're classy players. There's no drama, right? There's no diva behind that, right? And he, and he had to earn his way. He had to work hard, right? He he went through, uh, I mean, being a role player, being a bench player, to finally climbing his way up. He won most improved player, becoming a, an all-star. And now he's dealing with injuries. And I always had this image in my mind of Victor Oladipo being soft-spoken, handle his business, kind of like Giannis, but maybe not. Maybe there is a little diva there. And this story is just weird. It's like the Aaron Rodgers, Greg Jennings thing, where Aaron Rodgers reportedly, according to Greg Jennings, would go up to teams in Greg Jennings' contract year and be like, hey, you guys should sign Greg after this season. Like, you should, hey, come get Greg, right? He's not going to be here next year, which is, which is just very odd. Maybe it's misplaced humor on the part of Aaron Rodgers or Victor Oladipo, or maybe they're weird guys. Maybe they just don't really have a, an ability to read the room. Who knows? Should the Bucks trade for Victor Oladipo? Now, I could talk about this for a whole hour, but we got more important things going on. We got to talk Badgers. We got to talk to Andy Herman, get into the Packers. I, I don't want to deep dive into, oh, could the Bucks make this trade and what would it take and blah, blah, blah. How do they make the money work? And, and does it increase their odds? Does it make them better against the Heat? All the We could attack this from 100 different angles. I want to keep it really, really simple. I'm not opposed to this move for one kind of broad reason. It's nothing too specific. I would like this move potentially because Victor Oladipo is a dynamic player. It's been a buzzword on the show the last couple of weeks. It'd be dynamic, right? Victor Oladipo is his own thing. He's his own complete player. Doesn't need somebody to set him up. Doesn't need a screen to get open. Doesn't need somebody to get him the ball. He's dynamic. He is a playmaker in and of himself. He's not a specialist. Right? He's not Brooke Lopez, where you got to get the ball down to him, or you got you to get the ball to him on the three-point line. He's not Eric Bledsoe, where you're constantly making... Well, you sure his offense stinks, but his, de- his defense, he's, he's very important defensively. Right, Specialists like Nikola Mirotic or Kyle Korver, or maybe even Wesley Matthews, although it doesn't matter what Wesley Matthews does because Bud doesn't want to play him in, in the big moments. I like Victor Oladipo because he's not a specialist. He's dynamic, and he's a playmaker. That being said, it, it's very odd. I don't know if I want to trade for a player 
that actively talks about getting off of his team in front of his teammates. That's odd. He's also had a a pretty concerning recent injury history. All things to keep in mind. This story is why the NBA is awesome. It's because this happens every other week. Like, this is mild. This is is mellow. This is just, you know, run-of-the-mill stuff for Adam Silver and, and his NBA, Victor Oladipo. Possibly, maybe a move the Bucks will think about doing. I don't know. Something to watch. Something to watch. I, I'm okay with Victor Oladipo on the Bucks. I, I'm okay with him asking for a trade as long as he doesn't do it once he's on the Bucks. Right? Like if you're okay, well, if you're on my team, I don't like it. If I watch it on the Pacers or watch it on the Rockets, then it's different. And let's talk about the Houston Rockets. This team might be coming apart at the seams. It, eh, nay, it is coming apart at the seams. And we should have possibly seen this coming because Daryl Morey jumped ship. Daryl Morey is a smart analytical-minded GM, and I guess it made sense that he left. He had made all these moves. None of them had worked. It it seemed like maybe his welcome was wearing out in Houston, and he wanted to go do something else. Okay, fine. But maybe, just maybe, Daryl Morey saw the writing on the wall. He saw this mess coming, and he got out of there. He's now in charge of the Philadelphia 76ers. Starting with Russell Westbrook, the Rockets are falling apart, and all the players are very, very, very unhappy. For lots of different reasons. This is a potentially very combustible situation. You combine that with Rockets, that's not a great combo. Russell Westbrook wants a trade. He wants out because he wants to go back to being a floor general like he was in Oklahoma City when they would lose in the first round or when he chased Kevin Durant out of town. This is just, I don't even have that strong of an opinion on Westbrook. I don't want him on my team. He's fun to watch, but I think he takes unnecessary hate sometimes. But this kind of thing is ammo for the Westbrook haters. This is just another bullet in their clip. Westbrook wants out because he wants to be a floor general. He wants to go to the Knicks so he, it can be about him. right? Russell Westbrook, he's selfish. He likes taking bad shots, doesn't like to pass. right? Needs to be the alpha. Too intense. right? Tries too hard. Like th- th- this is just ammo for the Westbrook haters. This is ammo for the Colin Cowherds of the world. Once again, I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan in the world. I don't want him on my team. I think he's fun to watch. I respect the grind. I respect the energy, the intensity, the competitiveness. I just think sometimes it's to his detriment. And I think it wore out some of his teammates in Houston. I think it really wore out James Harden. Let's talk about James Harden next. James Harden, he wants Westbrook gone. Because I I don't think James Harden is the same intense alpha personality as Westbrook. And if you read the report, Sam Amick of The Athletic wrote a really, really good rundown that I was checking out today. Right, Westbrook was not happy behind the scenes with the accountability issues. Right, he didn't like the culture. Like he would lay into his teammates in the locker room, and everybody would absorb it and accept that criticism because reportedly Russell Westbrook was laying a lot of criticism on himself. I need to be better, guys. It starts with me. But you, we need to work on this. You and me need to get together, work on this. Right in the locker room, and I guess that wore out on James Harden. James Harden, maybe not, maybe not as as susceptible to criticism in a positive way. Maybe like superstar players should be. But Russell Westbrook can be really, really intense. So I can see it from both sides. Russell Westbrook wants everybody to get better, but maybe he's pushing it over the top a little bit. Westbrook is upset with Harden. Harden's upset with Westbrook. Everybody's upset with the situation. P.J. Tucker is mad about his contract of only $8 million. He's on the mid-level exception. And I understand why P.J. Tucker's upset. Without P.J. Tucker, the Rockets would be screwed. They don't have a center. They traded away Clint Capella, and they expect P.J. Tucker to guard Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic. That, that's, a, that's a big order for P.J. Tucker, and I really like P.J. Tucker. He's got a dope sneaker collection, really tough defensively. Nobody's better shooting from the corner than P.J. Tucker is, but $8 million bucks, and you want me to cover the best big men in the league? Screw you. How about you pay me in the double digits, please? I understand why P.J. Tucker would be mad. Daniel House is mad about his role. Austin Rivers is mad about his role. Eric Gordon, who is a tremendous player who's dealt with injuries and taken an interesting path to get to the, the role that he's in. He's the sixth man of the year. He's mad about his role. It's it's a mess. And I think that's why Daryl Morey said, I'm 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 out of here. I'm, I'm going to Philly. Situation in Philly isn't much better. They got their own issues, but at least not everybody's trying to quit, get traded, or get a raise, which is all of those things. General manager's worst nightmare. You want a raise? Oh, you want to be traded? Oh, God. Daryl Morey will take his chances in Philly with the process and a point guard that can't shoot a jump shot. I don't know if the Rockets blow it up. I think they should keep Harden because you, you don't get rid of superstars. You don't get rid of superstars if you don't have to. You just don't. Maybe they could trade P.J. Tucker. I don't know. Should the Bucks trade for P.J. Tucker? What do you think? 
You want P.J. Tucker on the Milwaukee Bucks? He could be helpful. They don't need another specialist, and P.J. Tucker is, is kind of a specialist. Three and D guy to the letter. Defense, corner threes. But he's really good at what he does, and he's, he's a dog. I, I would like his energy. Because part of me thinks P.J. Tucker would be willing to smack Eric Bledsoe on the back of the head anytime he did something stupid in a playoff game. And I like that, but I, I don't think the Bucks are a P.J. Tucker away from winning a title. I don't think they're one more role player, another Miritich or Marvin Williams away from winning a title. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's making $8 million bucks on the mid-level exception. I mean, that's not a lot of money. Maybe he's worth a look. I don't know. I, I hate it all. I hate all the Bucks options. Part of me is just tempted for the Bucks. Just, just run it back. Just screw it. Fine. Fine. Run it back. Don't go get Oladipo. Don't blow it up to try to get the oldest dirt Chris Paul, which now Kawhi wants Chris Paul. Fascinating, right? Because I, I thought Kawhi wasn't about the super team thing. Wanted to do his own thing. Loses once to Jamal Murray in the postseason. Now he wants to get Chris Paul in town. Interesting. Interesting. Let's talk about the Bucks coming up. I want to bring the Badgers into the conversation as well. And Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast, Packer Report, just a Packers icon. He will join us coming up at 4.30. A lot to come here on the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Happy Thursday. I, I consider the weekend starting on Thursday. It's more of a state of mind than anything else, right? Weekend starts tonight. Have an extra glass of wine. Have an extra can of beer. I absolutely am. Thursday night football tonight. I think I'm going to get together with two of my bandmates as well. Going to do a little band practice in the garage tonight. Football on on the side. Yeah. Tonight's shaping up pretty well. Weekend should be uh, great as well. Badgers back. Packers back. Sure, Bama got canceled. So did Ohio State. We got we to gotta take what we can get in 2020. Right? We Beggars can't be choosers. We're going to talk to Andy Herman, Pack a Day Podcast and Packer Report. Coming up in about... 10 minutes. I don't just want to ask Andy about the Jaguars. That would be such a lame interview. Like, oh, what do we, well, Andy, what do we need to know about the, the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receivers? Like, I, I do want to talk about the Jags, but I think there's bigger, more wide-ranging pressing issues that we can get to other than just the team from Jacksonville that is garbage and terrible. That would be a waste of a, an interview with Andy. So we'll talk to him coming up in 10 minutes. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Text the show at 608-796-2558. Before we get to Andy, I want to continue to talk about basketball, not just the Houston Rockets. They really don't have much to do with Wisconsin sports. Victor Oladipo wanting out in a very odd, dysfunctional way. That has something to do with the Bucs. Maybe the Bucs go after Victor Oladipo. I don't know. But I do want to talk about the Bucs, and I want to talk about the Badgers. Because basketball is coming back in the next couple of weeks, whether we are ready for it or not. Whether, heck, whether the players are ready for it or not. I, I don't think NBA players want to come back in December. Now, they're going to because the money is going to force them to. right? If they want to get paid and they want this season to be financially viable, they're going to have to come back in December, whether they want to or not. I think some players who have been idle since March, they're probably chomping at the bit to go. Meanwhile, the Lakers and teams that made it to the conference finals, excluding the Bucks, thanks for that, Coach Bud, they're probably, you know, we take a couple weeks off. Maybe go to Jamaica, go hang out down in the Florida Keys. I guess... No other countries really want to let us in right now, so you probably have to have domestic vacations. Although, if you have money, you can probably do whatever you want. The Kardashians just probably bought an own island. Kardashian Island. That, I, that's what they probably did a couple weeks ago when they went viral for throwing an island party. It's funny. Kim surprised her entire family by taking a, a trip to the islands. However, they were tested for weeks in preparation. I don't really know how those two things connect, but whatever. It's crazy to think that basketball is coming back. COVID is so much worse right now than it was when the league shut down. It, it is so much worse, especially in the Midwest, especially in the state of Wisconsin. But life goes on. We're, we're figuring out a way to work through it, to grind through it, to push through it. And the league has no other financial option. they got to come back next month. College basketball, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what the future looks like for college sports and college basketball. College football. I'm not really sure what the next couple of years are going to hold in store for these schools because I... I mean, until you can get fans back in the stands, until you can play regularly scheduled games, postseason games, have March Madness, this ain't exactly financially viable, right? And there's a lot of money on the line. Schools got bills to pay, and they pay them through football and basketball. So it's going to be interesting to see how these big universities adjust, these athletic departments adjust over the next couple of years. Pro sports have owners, right? Owners can foot these bills. Bucks have an ownership group that are worth me times a million. So I, I think they'll find a way to, to play sports and get these games on TV. College might be a little different. And, and my question to you, just because I'm curious, and this is such a cliche cop-out question, 
but it gets the ball rolling and, and it can lead into our, our the conversation that I want to have. Shoot me a text. Are, are you more excited? Are you chomping at the bit more for Badgers basketball or for Bucks basketball? Because I'm an NBA fan over a college basketball fan, but in a weird way, I'm more excited for Badger basketball because we just finished with the Bucks. I don't need the Buc- I don't need the Bucks right now. We just wrapped up with the NBA. I just I, I had an aneurysm three times over watching the Bucks get eliminated by the Heat. I don't want to go picking at that scab coming up in three weeks. I'm not ready for the Bucks. I need a break. I need a mental break. We're on a break. I'm on a break with the Bucks. The Badgers. Let's go. I'm excited. Interested to hear what you say. Shoot me a text. 608-796-2558. Badgers or Bucks? You can only have one right now. Which one are you going to take? The Bucks. I, I think I'm just a little overwhelmed because we're fitting four months of an NBA offseason into about a month and a half. And I can't. I, I don't have the mental capacity for this. The NBA is such an over-the-top, extra-dramatic league. I We can't pack months of anticipation and free agency and trade season buildup. Right? Is this coach going to get fired? Is this player going to demand a trade? Is this superstar going to end up on this team? We normally get that for months. And in 2020, we're packing it into a couple of weeks. I can't handle this. I'm overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. Normally, we have months of buildup. We still haven't had the NBA draft. And I, again, I ask this. I, feel, I bring this up every day. Why have we not done the NBA draft yet? It blows my mind. The NFL draft is seven rounds long. Hundreds of players. And they did it on schedule all over Zoom, and it was great. People loved it. The NBA draft is two rounds. It's like 60 players that are drafted, and they can't figure out a way to do it? It was supposed to happen, what, back in June, July? Why have they not done that yet? It it, it confuses me. I guess I don't really know what we're waiting for. You can't figure out how to draft 60 kids out of college on Zoom. The NFL did it. They knocked it out of the park. Very odd to me that the NBA still hasn't drafted, and I keep forgetting that they haven't. I don't know what the Bucs are going to do in free agency. I don't know what they're going to do with the draft if they make their selection or if they trade their pick. Part of me just wants the Bucs to run it back. Like, just keep it simple. Everything else is chaotic this year. Let's just keep the squad, see if we can't run it back and do better than we did in the postseason last year. 608-796-2558. Schmidt, thank you for texting in, Schmidt. He says, hey, Grant, I'll take my Sacramento Kings over the Bucks and the Badgers. Thank you very much. Sack up. Yes, Schmidt, I'm... I'm uh, I'm a fan of the Sacramento Kings, too. I'm excited for the entire league to come back. I weirdly might be more excited for the rest of the NBA to come back than I am for the Bucks specifically. Bucks are my team. I want to go to Pfizer Forum. I, I want to see Giannis play. I, I'm all in on the Bucks. I need a mental break from them. We're on a break. We're on a relationship that we're not breaking up, but, like, we need a break. We just need a little time off. Big Joe Veek says, Bucks, I'm an NBA fan, more skilled and more athletic. I like more teams. College is fun during tournaments, but it's always the same teams on, and they always win. Same could be said for NBA. Great question. Well, I, I appreciate you. I don't know if it's the most interesting question in the world, um, but I, I like your interpretation of it. Thanks, Joe, and thanks, Schmidt. Badgers, I'm very optimistic about this season. I'm optimistic about the team. I'm not really optimistic about their season being played. They have three games scheduled, and that's it. I, I'm very weary of, of how the season's going to go. This specific team, I'm excited. I think they have a process in place, a culture in place that can win no matter what players you put on the floor and whether there's a pandemic going on or not. I think the Badgers, like a lot of the other teams we saw in the AP Top 25, they're process-driven. So the AP voters tended to trust those teams. Oh, there's a pandemic going on? Well, the Badgers will do their thing, right? Virginia will do their thing. Duke, Michigan State, they'll do their thing. Players, no players, they have a process. And I like that. I just, I, I'm not, three games on the schedule. They're all TBD. Ohio State and Bama both had a game canceled this week. It's bad. It's bad. COVID is worse than when we shut down. That worries me. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast, Packer Report. Coming up next, we'll talk Packers. Go figure. Big picture. Talk about Jacksonville. We'll hit it all. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent evening. Thanks for tuning in. You can tweet at me at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line always open 608-796-2558. You can shoot me a text, but right now on the phone, we have a guest. So don't give me a call because I'll just, I'll hang up on you. Sorry. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast, Packer Report, just kind of, just a folk hero, an icon of Packers fandom. Andy, first of all, I appreciate you fitting us in because I know you're a very in-demand person. 
you're, I think half of your life is actually just you doing a podcast because you're, you're always recording, doing videos, doing things. And I appreciate you coming on. I want to start with last week because it was a fascinating week for the Packers. And I'm a huge warrior. Like, I, I would say that I'm pessimistic. I guard myself against disappointment. But I didn't even consider the possibility the Packers would lose to the Vikings. But then they did. And then they turned around four days later. And, yeah, they took care of business in San Fran. I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts. What did we learn last week? Because it's just kind of a messy week. I don't really know what to do with it. What did we learn, if anything? Yeah, it's a great question. And thanks for having me on. And appreciate the J. Cole bump music. Now I'm completely <laughs> ready to go. So, yes. Uh, no, I, th- I think it's a really interesting game to kind of look back at, and it takes a little bit longer to digest exactly what you can glean from a game like that. And I think that's why just about everyone, myself included, decided to write about the incredible game that Devontae Adams had because that was tangible, and that was something that was real regardless of who was across from them. And, in fact, San Francisco, for the most part, they didn't have Richard Sherman, but they had uh, the rest of uh, their cornerback group that's been playing pretty well, and uh, he just had an absolutely tremendous game. So I think you have to kind of drill down a little bit deeper for example, the, the pass rush, right? We saw the pass rush be much better against San Francisco. Preston Smith had the pressure that turned into an interception. Darius Smith had the strip sack. They had, I think, their best pressure rate of any game this season. Well, that's all grand and well, and you don't apologize for beating the person that's across from you, but a lot of that pressure came against Justin School, their backup left tackle, who was filling in for Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So I think the things that you take away from this game, one, Devontae Adams, it doesn't matter who he, you know, what team they're playing against, he is an absolute matchup nightmare for defenses right now because you can't cover him one-on-one. And when you pair that with Aaron Rodgers and his ability to read defenses, Rodgers, if he notifi- notices one-on-one coverage with Devontae Adams, he's going to go there because, simply put, corners can't cover him one-on-one right now. We've seen that against Houston. We saw it against San Francisco. Uh, we've seen it kind of consistently for a period of time now that that's not a good way to stop Devontae Adams. So. That, what does that kind of limit you to as a defense? Do you want to play zone all game? Do you want to specifically double team them? Because then you have opportunities for Aaron Jones in the running game. And I think that was my other big takeaway from this game is that, you know, it hasn't been forever since we've seen Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams on the field at the same time. But in a way, it kind of felt that way. Mm-hmm. And it was just really great to see both of those guys on the field at the same time. And you could just see how much of a, an issue that gives opposing defenses and defensive coordinators. Because, again, if you try to take away Adams, well, they're going to have limited numbers in the box, which is going to open things up for Aaron Jones. And if you try to pack the box, well, likely Devontae Adams is playing one-on-one on the outside. So uh, Green Bay just has a lot of ways to present problems for opposing defenses right now. Well, let's talk about the offense, Andy. Seeing you're bringing up Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Jones. This is the way I see it. Offensively, this team is really, really good until all of the sudden they aren't. And, and my concern is if they run into the Bucks again or if the Saints give them a better defensive showing than they did a couple of weeks ago, Now maybe all of a sudden Devontae Adams can't be a one-man wrecking crew, and all of a sudden the offensive line isn't holding up so well. Can you explain to me how maybe this Packers offense can translate their success against bad defenses, which we've seen, into competency, at least, at the very least, against elite defenses? Because for the last two years, they haven't shown the ability to do so. So how do they make that jump? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I can, you know, I'm only going to kind of review the the offense this season because, you know, that's obviously the one that's kind of current and recent and that we're kind of looking at. And I think the big thing for this Packers offense hasn't necessarily been, you know, uh, you know, struggles against better defenses. I almost think to an extent it's just been they haven't been great when they've gotten behind and sticking with their game plan and and kind of, uh, you know, just just kind of staying status quo. There's almost been a panic. There's almost been like this feeling that. You know, if they get down, they've got to go for it on fourth down and, and, and all these sort of things. And I think the issue for this offense right now that we've seen come up this year is, listen, when you are able to run Matt LaFleur's offense and you're able to run the jet sweeps and the motions and the play-action fakes and mm-hmm. everything's kind of running on all cylinders the way that it's supposed to, this offense looks really good because defenses don't exactly know it's coming. You have to honor the run. You have to you know, honor Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. There's so much stuff that Green Bay can run at you at any given moment. When you're all of a sudden down by 14 points and the defense has the ability to tee off a little bit more and, you know, the edge rushers are just coming straight past rush. They don't really care if they, you know, if you're going to go draw or anything. And uh, the corners can just kind of sit off and play, you know, coverage and things like that. It makes it much more difficult for this offense because now all of that kind of, you know, sleight of hand and, and it's not trickery, but it's just, you know, eye candy for the defense. They don't care about that stuff anymore. And all of a sudden it's just, you know, three wide receivers that have to go out 
and beat the corners that are across from them with a little extra emphasis, of course, on taking away Devontae Adams. And in those situations, it's players like MVS and Alan Lazard um, and those type of players that have to just kind of step up, win their battles, and then the offensive line's got to really protect in those situations, again, where they don't have the benefit of the play actions or the motions or things like that. So uh, that's what I want to see better from this Packers offense moving forward is how do they handle those situations where they get down and handle that adversity a little bit better because I think that's where they've struggled so far this season. And hopefully as Matt LaFleur gets a little bit more experience, these players get a little bit more experience in the offense. Hopefully that helps, um, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily have two or three years to wait, right, to avoid being bad when his team falls behind. I guess that's my my one concern, but I think a really good uh, analysis of what we've seen, especially in these blowout losses. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast, Packer Report, really just all thing Packers. Um, I could ask you about the trade deadline, but I, I watched your video about the trade deadline. I, I thought it was spot on. I, I think we've talked about the trade deadline a ton on this show in the last week and a half. I've said everything that needs to be said. I think my listeners have, too. I'm actually going to ask you about something very odd and very specific. Just for fun, can you explain Josh Jackson to me? Because during the games on Sunday, he gets attacked and blamed for everything on Twitter. And then during the week, like Packers fandom turns a complete corner and they're like, well, actually, he hasn't been that much worse than Kevin King. I mean, they're actually pretty similar. I I don't get it. So can you explain the Josh Jackson enigma to me? And if you want to use this as an opportunity to talk Jair or Kevin King or his upcoming free agency, do that as well. But... I don't understand Josh Jackson whatsoever. I can't wrap my mind around him. Yeah, I think the thing with Josh Jackson is everything that you said is true, and I think the the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? So I think people are now looking at it and saying, hey, you know what? You know, Green Bay has been able to place him at cornerback, and, you know, the defense hasn't looked that much different, and maybe it hasn't looked that much different than Kevin King. And you look at it, and, and, you know, people are saying, well, you know, he's he's really good. He's a really good corner. And then you get him in the game, and you see him have a major penalty here and there, and everyone's ready to cut him and say Josh Jackson can't play. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. So if he is your number three, number four-ish corner, I think that's exactly you know, he's he's exactly what you expect. I think he's a lot better than most teams' number four corners, and that's what he is in Green Bay. Jair King and Shannon Sullivan all ahead of him at that corner position. Mm-hmm. And if you if you have a Josh Jackson as number four, that's really good. I think when he starts being used in in more of a starting role, and teams have uh, you know wide receivers that they can specifically attack him with. I think he can get beaten. He's susceptible to man-to-man coverage. He's susceptible to panicking at the last moment where he's going to grab or have pass interference penalties. He's had multiple penalties over the course of the last few weeks when he's been pushed into starting positions. Uh, he gave up the touchdown in a three-man rush situation uh, against Tampa Bay. Last week in a three-man rush situation, he also almost gave up a touchdown had it not been for you know River Craycraft uh, dropping a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Yeah. He basically would have made the same mistake. I think he actually had one at least similarly against Minnesota as well. So you see, oh, it was actually the penalty that he had against Minnesota in the three-man rush situation where it's basically three straight weeks. Everyone else had everything covered up, and two times, or one time he did give up a touchdown, another he had the pass interference penalty, and then last week he should have given up a touchdown if Craycraft just caught it. So you see the deficiencies on tape of where he's not a complete corner, and I don't put him anywhere near in the same you know wavelength as a Kevin King. I think Kevin King is the, the far superior corner, and I think King gives you more versatility as well because he can do a lot of the zone stuff that Josh Jackson is doing, but he's a much better man-to-man cover corner than Jackson is, and if you go back and watch these last few weeks, Mike Pettin has gone predominantly zone coverage. I can't say for sure that that's just simply because Josh Jackson's in there, but it's definitely been noticeable how much zone coverage that they've played. The truth is always somewhere in the middle, and I, I love that analysis. Andy Herman, final question for you. Andy, and maybe this is a personal thing, so tell me if this is just my my fandom. I'm scared that there is an upset loss hiding in the next few weeks. And I know this team, Andy, because I saw it in 2014 when they lost to the 9-7 and seven Bills, and then last year they lost to the 9-7 and seven Eagles, and both of those losses eventually cost the Packers the one seed and a potential NFC title game at Lambeau. Instead, they went to Seattle. We know how that ended. And then last year in, in San Fran, and Aaron Rodgers says, well, we got to get one of these at home. Okay, well, they have an opportunity to get one of them at home this year, but they can't afford, after that loss to the Vikings, they can't lose to the Jags, Colts, Eagles, or Panthers. They, they cannot fall in one of those four games. Are you concerned that they will, that they might lose one of those four games? And what can this team do to avoid falling in one of those games to make sure they give themselves the best possible chance for the best possible seed? 
Yeah, I think that's a fair concern, and I think the, the big reason, number one, is because we have seen them come out flat against teams. The Chargers game last year, the 49ers game last year, and then the Vikings game this year, uh, it's just they came out flat. The offense against the Vikings came out great this year, but the, the defense uh, really did not in any way, shape, or form and never responded in that game against Minnesota. So it, sometimes we've seen them come out flat, and they've never really been able to kind of get it going later in the game. So I think that's a concern, and if, if they want to avoid it, I think that's one A that they have to avoid is just having one of those games where they don't have the emotion or the intensity to kind of go out and compete for 60 minutes in a game, which is really tough to put your you know finger on as to why, because it seems like Matt LaFleur has a good pulse with that stuff. It seems like there's plenty of veteran leadership on this team, both on the offense and the defense. So it's really strange that that's kind of happened, but I think that's one A that they have to kind of figure out. And then to your point, you know, I think over the course of the next eight weeks, my guess that just, looking at it on paper, Mm -hmm. is that Green Bay is going to be favored in every single one of the remaining games this season. And at the same token, I don't necessarily expect them to go 8-0 either. So I do expect there to be, you know, maybe one or two pitfalls along the way. Maybe, uh, you know, if they go 1-1 against Chicago, and then maybe 1-1 against the the Colts and Titans, who are probably the two other best teams that they play. You know, it wouldn't shock me to see them, you know, lose a couple games the rest of the way. And and ultimately, if they lose one or two games, it may not be the worst-case scenario. I do think you learn a lot more sometimes from a loss than sometimes you can in a win. And I think you at some point you have to overcome adversity in this league. And and I, I think sometimes maybe going 8-0 and heading into the playoffs may not be uh, the best situation where maybe you haven't had that, you know, reality check in a while. So, um, you know, I, you'd love to see them just go, you know, undefeated the rest of the season through the playoffs and into a Super Bowl, but sometimes that's not super realistic. So we'll see. It wouldn't shock me if they lost one or two more games. And like I said, sometimes that's not the worst thing in the world either. No, I, I agree. I think Super Bowl champions, for the most part, always deal with some adversity at some point. Uh, I just hope the Packers' adversity doesn't come against Come against Jacksonville. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate sure. you coming on, man. Uh, I love following your stuff. Pack-A-Day podcast, Packer Report. Keep it up. I'm always reading and watching, and, and I'd love to have you back. Be well. Be well, excuse me, hey, my thanks. friend. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it, and happy to do it anytime. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Uh, be well. I don't know why I'm tripping over my words. It's 2020. I've been telling guests to be well. Sound like a grandma. Thanks, Andy. You can find him on Twitter, at Andy Herman NFL. I don't think the Packers will go 8-0 either. If they lose to the Titans, okay. And if you lose to the Bears once, I'm not going to be happy, but I get it. The thing is, if you have an extra loss, an unnecessary loss to one of those four teams that you have no problem beating, should have no problem beating, that's where I get a little bit frustrated. Never expect my team to go undefeated. I know they'll be favored in all the games. That doesn't mean they'll win all the games. I get that. If you lose to the Titans or the Bears, okay. But if you lose to the Lions, lose to the Jags, then it becomes a little bit of an issue. Not a fan of that. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. He did something hilarious yesterday. I want to share that with you. We'll get back into the NBA, get back into the Packers, the Badgers, a whole lot of fun stuff coming up after 5 o'clock as well. Wisco Sports Show just getting started. Stay tuned. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. I have some breaking news to report. Happened about an hour ago. This is just jaw-dropping stuff, folks. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein just tweeted it out. Uh, The Senate passed two resolutions introduced by Kamala Harris and Feinstein herself uh, congratulating the Lakers and Dodgers on bringing championships back to L.A. Under unprecedented circumstances, these teams went all the way. Congratulations, Feinstein tweets. All I can think about when I read this tweet is that episode, that very famous scene of Keeping Up with the Kardashians where Kim Kardashian loses one of her earrings in the ocean and she's bawling her eyes out. And I don't remember who it was just said out loud, Kim, there are literally people dying. Stop stop crying, Kim. That's how I feel about the tweet. There are literally people dying. What are, is this real? Talk about an ability to read the room. Imagine tweeting that out to the American public. Hey, we passed a bill. Congrats to the Dodgers and the Lakers. Oh, my God. Great. Wonderful. Happy for him. Great, Bill. Well done, everyone. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out and tuning in. More political updates. Start every segment. Don't worry. I'll update you when I get new information. Uh, We're going to talk to Dave Carney, host of the uh, WKTY Morning Show, coming up at 535. First, one of my favorite narratives. One of my favorite things to talk about. Back before 5 o'clock, 
Uh, I, I was pleading with you and pleading with, I guess, whoever's listening, pleading with everybody. Sports are fun, right? Sports are supposed to be fun. Rogers yesterday had some fun trolling the media, talking about Nathaniel Hackett in his press availability. But, uh, Hack has been uh, a really important part of our culture change and a part of uh, our success on offense. I love him. Hope he doesn't go anywhere. Unless I do. Unless I do. Beautiful. Dramatic. Provocative. Fun. Sports are fun. Sports are supposed to be fun and lighthearted. Like to joke around. Sports radio should be the same way, right? Yesterday I talked about NFL punters for 12 minutes. This isn't supposed to be rocket scientist or rocket science. Oh my God, it sounds, it ain't rocket surgery. Sounds stupid. Supposed to have fun. It's sports radio. And you know, one of my favorite narratives and topics to hit the revenge game narrative. I was filling in here in lacrosse for our morning show host for Dave last week. Or no, this is a couple weeks ago before the Lions game. And we were talking to Chris Burke of The Athletic. And I completely railroaded the show and the interview to talk about the Rick Wagner revenge game. Because that's funny. That's very funny. I find that to be hilarious. Maybe you don't. I find that to be absolutely part. That's funny. We had a guest on the line. We're doing, we're previewing the game. And I'm like, hey, Chris, um, have you, when predicting this game, did you take into account that Rick Wagner is going up against his former team? We cannot discount uh, a superstar performance because of the Rick Wagner revenge game. They got a kick out of that. I think it's hilarious to talk about that narrative. And I try to find every little detail of a possible revenge game when previewing a game. This week is revenge game porn. My God, the Packers offense might score 60. I'm not exaggerating. They might. Because they have four or five different players and personnel members that used to be in Jacksonville. Maybe the engine's running a little bit hotter this week, knowing that they're up against their former team. Right? Talk about Eddie Van Halen passing away, the line from Panama. They're running a little bit hot tonight. I think the Packers offense is going to be running a little hot on Sunday because they have so many players that used to be in Jacksonville. Right? You want to you want to show up and show out against your old team. And even if even if there's no hard feelings between these Packer players and their previous organization, you still you want to show out, right? You go to your high school reunion, you want to look good. Yeah, we'll look skinny. Look at my attractive wife or husband that I've since married. I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm making a pile of money too. Right? You just want to you want to show out. You want to stretch your stuff a little bit. Not necessarily about revenge, but you want to impress impress your uh, former team and your former fans as well. Firstly, Nathaniel Hackett used to be in Jacksonville. Packers offensive coordinator, which is funny that we've talked about him so much this week because Aaron Rodgers brought him up in his presser yesterday. Nathaniel Hackett used to be in Jacksonville, came over as a part of Matt LaFleur's staff two years ago in the transition, and apparently everybody loves him. Loves the energy. Brings a lot of zip and pep to that Packers offensive room in that game planning meeting. Like, they just love him. He's insane. I remember reading stories about him when he first joined the Packers. Stories of him in college, as a college coach, not as a college student. Just being insane. People had to calm him down on the sideline because he was so jacked up all the time. This is like that strength coach for Northwestern whose muscles are popping through his shirt. It's two degrees below zero, and he's out there in a polo. Not because he doesn't like the cold, but I, I think he's just a frat boy, and he just wants to have his polo on. This is a rich white kid from Northwestern. Nathaniel Hackett's got all the juice. He used to be in Jacksonville. Aaron Rodgers loves him. Nathaniel Hackett's going to have a day on Sunday. This is going to be a revenge game for half the Packers offense. Tyler Irvin, Mercedes Lewis, Alan Lazard. I still can't believe Tyler Irvin was a waiver wire guy. You're telling me Jacksonville couldn't use Tyler Irvin? I used to think that he was just eye candy, that it was more his role was valuable more so than him, right? The orbital motions, the jet sweeps, But against the Niners on Thursday, he showed that, albeit against a lackluster opponent, he could haul in some clutch catches. He take a couple carries here and there. He's an effective player who can carry his weight. It's not just a touch or two here and there. It's not just eye candy, right? He can be a player, and he's a waiver wire pickup. What do you think in Jacksonville? I remember when the Packers signed Mercedes Lewis, who at the time came over from Jacksonville. It was May of 2018. I remember when it happened, I was on my bike. I was biking up above Granddad's Bluff here in La Crosse. It was a sunny day. Went by Rim of the City Road, and I remember very clearly Bill Michaels, who I was listening to because it was in the middle of the afternoon, Bill Michaels talking about Mercedes Lewis. He's really old. What are the Packers thinking on this one? And I bought into it. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Why did they bring in Mercedes Lewis? He's old as dirt, huh? And he's turned out to be a really effective player for the Packers. Now, he's not their number one tight end. He's not even their number two tight end. With Josiah DeGuara healthy, he might not even be their number three. 
but he's really good at what he does still. He's very, very good at what he does. Blocking, red zone targets here and there. Johnny, right place, right time. You know, that guy. He can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Really valuable. And I remember when the Packers signed him. I was like, what are they doing with Mercedes Lewis? He's old as dirt. And at the time, my fantasy football team was terrible, I think, the, the previous season. So I remember picking him up off the waiver wire to fill my tight end slot because I had nobody else. That's always the kiss of death. If the Packers sign a player that you have ever got on the waiver wire six, seven, eight, nine games into the season, then you know, oh, no. Now you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Mercedes Lewis has been really good. Alan Lazard might be the one that hurts the most for Jacksonville because they've lost these great wide receivers over the years. Allen Robinson. Now, Allen Hearns got hurt and didn't go on to have a great, great time. But now they have LaVisca Chenault. They have some other players as well. DJ Chark. Imagine if Alan Lazard was still there. It'd be a hell of a, an armory of weapons that the Jags would have, right? It'd be impressive. Alan Lazard looks like a legit rotational wide receiver who's big and strong, good route runner, reliable in the red zone and on third down. That's valuable. You never want to get rid of a player that can contribute in that way to your team. Revenge game on Sunday. Packers offense going to hang 60. Book it. Heard it here first. Well, that and, you know, many other reasons. Jags stink. Let's take a break. We'll talk to the host of the WKTY Morning Show, Dave Carney, coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Happy Thursday. We made it to the weekend. I know we got to go to work tomorrow. Who cares? Have a beer tonight. Enjoy Thursday night football. Take a load off. You've earned it. We've all earned it. Dave Carney, host of the WKTY Morning Show, going to join us here in just a minute. Don't forget, coming up at 545, 550, I'm going to give you the full scouting report on the upcoming Super Bowl halftime show announced today that it's going to be the weekend. Bill Michaels today. I don't know. I don't know if Bill was having afternoon beers or what. Talking about how he's a big fan of the weekend, really likes their music. Following him for a long time, Bill. It's one. Per, it's one guy. One guy, Bill. Nice try, though. It was. I got a good laugh out of it. I work on Z ninety three, our top forty station here in Lacrosse. Same thing as Jams in Madison, our sister station. So I'm going to give you the scouting report, tell you what you need to know. Because don't be the guy. Oh, the youngins and their music. No, weekend's pretty sick. I'll share with some. Uh, share with you. Some of his best music, some information that you need. In the meantime, host of the WKTY Morning Show, now joining us on the Talk and Text Line. Dave Carney, host of the WKTY Morning Show, joining us just a couple of minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. Dave, I'm sorry about yesterday. The phone was out, and I was very bummed because I was hyping you up. I said, I can't wait to talk to Dave. And then, <laughs> you know, technology fails, as it sometimes uh, does. I was talking yesterday and a little bit more today about how the Packers cannot afford to drop a game to one of these bad teams, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Eagles, the Panthers, all coming up. And I know this Packers team, Dave, the last 10 years, they have a tendency to lose one of these games that they have no business losing. And one ugly loss can make the difference, right? That's a home game or an away game in the postseason. You are a much smarter betting man than I am. When you're looking at potential upset losses, right, what are you looking for? And how do you predict this kind of thing, right, an out-of-nowhere type of loss? What's your feel on the Packers and the possibility that they drop a game to one of these really bad teams coming up? So, first, with respect to the Colts, I don't think that they're a bad team. I actually had them, not this week, but last week after week eight in my top five power rankings, which is a week-by-week thing. That said, they have some serious weaknesses. We're going to see... Exactly what the Packers are made of, however, this coming Sunday against a lowly Jacksonville Jaguars team. Yes. Okay, we're going to see exactly what they can do against an absolute bottom feeder who is either in the running for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. That's the play in Jacksonville. So if if Green Bay does what they did against San Francisco at home, which I anticipate them doing then I won't have too much concern about them losing to one of the other teams that you mentioned. The Colts, I'm still a little bit concerned about because they play incredible defense and they've got an incredible running back. His name's Jonathan Taylor. We remember him from Wisconsin. Yeah. And I still lament the fact that Green Bay, if they wanted a running back, Grant didn't just take Jonathan Taylor. But that's for another day, a different discussion. So <laughs> I, I'm not too concerned about them losing these upcoming games. What I would be concerned about, back to your betting angle, is them not covering the spread, Sure, which I was talked into taking the Packers at minus 13 points by 
our friend Hunter Bumgart. So that would be my concern there. But honestly, I think if the Green Bay Packers play the way they have against the teams that they should beat, no problems here. The Vikings, have, as you've alluded to a number of different times on my show and on your show, they're better than their record would indicate. So that loss against Minnesota, while still not great, shouldn't be too much of an alarm for Packer fans. But I don't really anticipate that being the the case, Grant. I think they'll beat these teams that are coming up on their schedule. Indianapolis aside, I think that that game's still going to be winnable, but tougher than the other, quote, bad teams. Sure. And the Jags, the Colts, Eagles, Panthers, they're all different, right? But I lump them together because those are games that the Packers should win. But for whatever reason, I'm scared that there's a loss hiding in there. And in the top of the NFC, where all these teams are flawed, right, and the margin of error is thin, I just don't want them to go dropping a game that they really can't afford to drop. Dave Carney, host of the WKTY Morning Show. Dave, I love listening to your show in the morning and Ebo and Madison because morning shows, they have a little bit different energy, right? It feels kind of like a family. You're always texting back and forth with your listeners. And I have good connection with my listeners too, but it's a little bit different in the morning, right? The Packers are trending towards another really strong season, and yet the vibe that I get on my show and what I hear on your show and and others, fans still really aren't thrilled because I think fans see what's coming, right? This is a good team. They're going to win some games, might win a playoff game, but when it matters most, possibly in the NFC title game, like we've seen a couple of times in the last 10 years, they're going to fall short. And Packers fans see that coming, and we're just venting our frustration already because we've seen this movie before. What are you hearing from your listeners in the morning? Because the Packers are winning games, but yet Packers fandom doesn't really seem all that content right now. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think for the reasons that you just outlined, Packer fans should be concerned about the viability of this team possibly winning and contending for a Super Bowl. And Grant, when you mentioned those those bad teams, a potential loss there, you were also talking about three NFC, well, two AFC teams and two NFC teams, but the AFC is just better this year. And yep. we can all tell Patrick Mahomes is better than everybody else. The Steelers are possibly the most well-coached team in the entire league. The... You know, Tennessee Titans are always a team that you'd have to watch out for. Baltimore's dangerous. The, the AFC is it's just loaded this year, and often that has not been the case. In the NFC, it's really a who's who of teams that have all taken really bad beats and all have an opportunity on any given Sunday to look really good, like the Packers can, the Saints can, the Bucks can look great on occasion. Mm-hmm. So it should concern Packer fans, but to go back to your question, what am I hearing? The same thing. The same thing you are, that there is legitimate and I think warranted concern. At the same time, I don't think it diminishes Grant, and you're a a lifelong Packer fan. I'm newer to this game than you are, but I don't think it diminishes the excitement come Sunday when you watch the team win. But there is that knowledge that the flaws that you've seen against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Minnesota Vikings most recently are ones that even date back to last season. And that's why I think the concern is not only a little bit possibly louder than it might be under uh, other circumstances with a 6-2 and two team, but also justified. Well, hey, uh, expectation is the root of all disappointment, right? We've all, we've all seen that <laughs> written somewhere on yeah. some motivational-looking picture on, on Facebook posted by some grandmother. Like, Packers fans have expectations, right? And, and I, I, those expectations are Super Bowls, and, and we've seen this movie a couple of times. So I, I think we're on the same page with what we hear from our listeners and Packers fans. Dave Carney, host of the WKTY Morning Show, The NBA is coming back very soon in December, which is a little bit sooner than I expected and is a crazy quick turnaround for some of these teams that played right up until the bitter end. Meanwhile, some teams have been idle since since March. It's kind of a mess, but thus is, you know, everything in 2020. The NBA is my favorite league, and I'm glad it's coming back, but this is hectic, Dave, because it feels like we're trying to pack months of offseason drama and rumors and and. Uh, unhappy players and and all these different you know player movement. We're trying to pack it into a couple of weeks. Yesterday we hear about Russell Westbrook and what's going on with the Rockets and the Victor Oladipo thing. This is fast and furious right now. How are you reading the NBA and coming back here in a month? Right. What do you think about the NBA, which I know is one of your favorite leagues as well? I don't know how to handle this off season. I, this is all brand new to me, and it, it's being packed into a very very small window. This is something that I, I I'm not handling well. Right. It's very overwhelming right now. So I think I got my calendar mixed up and Christmas actually came to me on November the the 10th of 2020 as opposed to December 25th because the rumor mill grant in the NBA started just churning and I love it. I love all of it. I'm going to take it. 
I realize that this is a, a short turnaround for many of the teams in the bubble, but legitimately, this is really a short turnaround for the Lakers and the Heat. The other teams got to go home a lot sooner. And the way that the NBA scheduled those games inside the bubble, I think, gave a lot of physical rest to players. They weren't traveling. There was a lot of in-house treatment. So I'm not too concerned about that on its face. I do think there is something to it, but... I just I know this is one of the reasons that NBA fans, you and I are amongst them, love the league. It's it's more about the stories, Grant, than it is just about the box scores. And and for yeah. sports fans that look for more than just box scores and who won or who lost, uh yards per attempt or shots from three point, this is what the NBA is all about. And so Russell Westbrook, Victor Oladipo, I mean, Russell Westbrook might be the most interesting test case. In NBA superstar history, the guy was an MVP, averaged a triple-double, first time since Oscar Robertson, has now done it multiple seasons, and it's almost considered like no big deal. Mm -hmm. And he goes from Oklahoma City. Then he gets traded to go meet up with his former teammate, and according to what we know, good friend James Harden. The Rockets thing, I don't know who tried to sell us this was going to work. Everybody should have seen that it wouldn't, and it didn't. And now Daryl Morey, who is the Rockets general manager, for those that don't know, is in Philadelphia. And that's gotten a lot of attention because what we hear as well today is that James Harden's not taking calls from the Rockets. So I hear you. It's hectic. But, man, I was sweating what we were going to do during this long, cold, dark winter we call Wisconsin without basketball. Because normally this is the time of the year where other uninitiated sports fans go to sleep and I go to my basement and I tune on Bucks basketball. I'm, I'm watching this stuff 82 nights a year and... I got to tell you, I know it's selfish, and I'm greedy. I want it. I love it. Yeah, I I think I'm going to try to pick up cross-country skiing. I need a new hobby this winter. <laughs> and down, downhill skiing, I can't afford it. Like, I can't, I can't go downhill skiing every weekend. And I'm going to break my leg. Like, that, it's, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. So I think That's cross-country skiing. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Maybe do some ice fishing. And, of course, watch Bucks basketball. I, Dave, I know you're big into the NHL as well, a little bit more than me. Let's get off the rumor mill and, and get out of the narratives and actually talk concrete plans for these two leagues, the NBA and the NHL, to come back. And it, and it's worth reminding everyone listening to the show, and I need to remind myself, COVID is worse right now than it was in March when these leagues shut down. Right now, we might have gotten better at navigating COVID. We've certainly normalized it. But the environment now is not more conducive to playing competitive sports than it was in March. And yet these leagues look to make a return, and they're try, they're going to try to get fans in there because they need the money, right? So as you read reports on how the NHL is trying to come back, how the NBA is trying to come back, do you feel good about it? Do you have concern? How do you see these two sports leagues returning in the next month or so? Do you, do you see it going well, I hope? So, you know, I, I reached out just, um, I, I think it was Wednesday afternoon. I'm still waiting to get word back from a friend of mine who is a reporter for Sinbin.Vegas, which is the go-to spot for all Vegas Golden Knights hockey and and has been so since before the team actually was in full fruition out in Las Vegas because I've got a lot of the same questions. Working with the NHL as I have in the past, I feel like they've always got one of the smartest groups of people trying to figure stuff out. Great, because they have to, Mm -hmm. right? The NHL is the fourth most popular sport amongst the four major professional sports, which means... It's the one that nobody cares about. And and I say that lovingly because the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, some of the most ex- exciting spectacle of all sports, drew an average of 2.1 million viewers. Now, to put this in perspective, that was the average game in the XFL. Repeat, the average game in the XFL drew 2.1 million eyeballs. So the NHL is always having to be really, really smart, smart with their money, smart with contracts, smart with planning. So my gut instinct tells me they have thought about a number of potential scenarios. We understand that some are going to get COVID. That seems like it's a thing, but it's 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 almost become an assumed risk. And as long as the players like we've seen in the NFL, the NBA and the bubbles were different. But what we've seen in the NFL and, and really to baseball's credit, after they got over that initial blip it was pretty much smooth sailing for the most part it can be managed as long as you're willing to accept some people are going to get it now that said the fans in the stands are where we need to see how these things can really uh, be worked out those are going to largely be determined by local and state municipalities health districts on a local level that's why the staples center in los angeles just announced on uh, on thursday afternoon as a matter of fact that there won't be fans in the stands there and so 
we're just going to have to see what that'll be like. Uh, ultimately, I think that the NHL, the NBA, they're planning on something because they've got some science behind it. That's at least what I'm hopeful for, too. Yeah, well, these leagues have money. I saw that some fans, if they're sitting close to the court, they need to pass a test, including what could be a rapid test at the stadium. Yeah. So I, I think we're in limbo right now. The leagues are trying to figure these things out, but but they need to figure out a way to get at least some fans in there. Uh, they need the money, right? They can't just keep going in empty stadiums uh, over and over and over again. At some point, they need to start making it work, even in a pandemic. That's what we're all doing. Uh, Dave, really quickly, before I let you go, I, I know you're a blues fan. You're a rock and roll fan, right? We like a lot of the same music, folk, bluegrass. Uh, the weekend was announced as a Super Bowl halftime performer. I'm just curious. Do you know a single song by the weekend? Do you have do you have strong feelings about this? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I, I sort of have strong feelings about this because Super Bowl shows in me don't mix. We're like oil and water. Okay, okay. unless it's Tom Petty, Prince, um, the Rolling Stones. I'm a, I'm an old fart, and I'm just showing my age. That's fine. I tried to play some weekend for one of my guests who's a, a fan. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't do it. It's not good. Wow. And so my my yeah, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And I know you do Z ninety three, so I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And 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 people have tried to convince me that it's that it is good. And maybe it, it it'll it'll take me some time. It took me a while to get to be a fan of Nirvana, to be honest. It took me about ten years to become a fan, and now I really enjoy I can appreciate their music. So ask me again in twenty thirty and and perhaps <laughs> on the weekend I'll listen to to some weekend. Sure. Well, Dave, I'm, I'm glad you say that because I'm actually, to close the show today, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this a little bit, and I'm going to give our listeners a couple recommendations if they want to do their research okay. and listen to a couple of songs, different eras, different albums. So I'm glad that we get your opinion. I'm going to try to push back on that. I'm going to try to prove you wrong. Uh, and when I join okay. your show next, maybe I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to sell you on it a little bit. Thanks for giving me your takes, Dave, on the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and, of course, top 40 pop music as well. I always appreciate you. Thanks, Grant. That's Dave Carney, WKTY, here in Lacrosse. Let's take a break. Let's talk about the Super Bowl halftime show, The Weekend. Ever heard of him? If not, I'll give you a little teaser. Coming up next, final segment of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on, final segment. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Thursday Night Football tonight. Packers, Badgers, both back this weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Have a beer tonight. You, you earned it. Have a glass of wine. I don't care if we got to go to work tomorrow. Who cares? It's 2020. Anything flies. I thought long and hard today about how to wrap up the show, what we should talk about last. Uh, a few possibilities. The way I saw, we could have talked about the Masters, but we're only one day in. We could have talked about the Jaguars. Like, we could have, I don't know, previewed their wide receivers. Hell if I know. I don't know. The Jags aren't interesting. I decided we should do something fun instead. It was announced today that the Super Bowl halftime show will be Abel Tesfay, also known as The Weeknd. He's going to be performing. Now, that's awesome. And I think it'll bang because I'm an optimist when it comes to these things. I know some of you said, oh, who the hell is that? I don't want to. Well, I don't know. Give it a try. Give it a spin. Right? That's what's great about music. Give it a try. Maybe you'll hate it, but you got to at least try. You may not know much about The weekend. I know. I was listening to the Bill Michaels show today. I think he thought that they were a group. Not quite. No, it's, it's one man. Bill Michaels. Fake news today. Tough scene. If you want to expand your horizons... Scout the weekend a little bit before the Super Bowl. Let me be your guide. All right, I'll paint a, I'll paint a picture. All right, let me give you a little taste. I have a little sound that I want to share with you. Just a little bit, just a little teaser. Okay, so the weekend, I think his first album was in 2013. Trilogy was 2013, 2014. He broke out in 2015. The album Beauty Behind the Madness. That's when he had this crazy hairstyle. His big hit was uh, I Can't Feel My Face. Uh, but if we're doing day one hits, I prefer the song In the Night. This is kind of the vibe. <laughs> See, not that bad. Pop music. It's not going to bite you. Not that bad, right? Not that bad. See, nothing happened. Like, if you're driving, did your car break down? Did you have a heart attack? No, it's fine. Check out the album Beauty Behind the Madness. It's kind of fun. It's probably his, uh, is it his most poppy album? A lot of thick synth like that. He's got a very high voice. It's fun to listen to. His second album, my per- or third album, my personal favorite, Starboy, 2016, Starboy, Die For You, I Feel It Coming. Was that in Fifty Shades of Grey? I think they're the wrong song. It might have been Ellie Goulding. My favorite song is Sidewalks. It has Kendrick in it, and it goes hard. He chopped his hair. Different look, different sound. You hear you got the auto-tune thing going on. Sidewalks in 
Everybody wanted to be Kanye. You listen to the last decade of pop music. Everybody wanted to be Kanye. So that was Sidewalks. Starboy is an awesome album, worth the listen to start to finish. That was from 2016. See, he's evolving, changing a little bit. That's what good artists do. Now, his album from this summer, After Hours, from 2020, is pretty fun. And it kind of followed the trend of pop music, which was just sound like 80s music. Like this is, I know everybody knows from the TikTok. And if you listen to Top 40 Radio, you know the song Blinding Lights. Blinded by the- Not Man for Man, but Blinding Lights. I prefer the song In Your Eyes. I think this is an awesome tune. In your eyes, I see there's something burning inside you. Oh, inside you. You tell me, you tell me with a straight look on your face that that couldn't be a Genesis song. Bill Collins and Peter Gabriel, that that couldn't be a Genesis song. You can't. You can't. That could have been a Genesis song. Sounds just like it. Sounds just like it. How can you hate that? Right? Weekend's fun. And that song had an awesome sax outro. More 80s sound. Shades of Huey Lewis with the saxophone, too. I I think this is going to be awesome. Weekend's awesome. High energy, huge catalog of music, different vibes, different stages of his career. He changes up his look, too. He had this huge mess of hair, like the weirdest hair piece, where it was like, you know, Alfred Payton? Is he on the Suns now? Where's Alfred Payton playing? He's kind of hanging out over his forehead, like a like an angler fish where they have that light hanging over their head. The same kind of thing, right? Changed up his hair, changed up his sound, changed up his look. The Weekend's fun. Beauty Behind the Madness, Starboy, After Hours. All worth the listen, although I'd probably recommend you start with Starboy because I think that's my favorite album. Some, there's some really cool songs on that album. Sidewalks is awesome. It has Kendrick Lamar. I Feel It Coming is awesome because it has Daft Punk, and Daft Punk just adds spark and color to whatever song they're on. And you know what? If you're listening in Madison, stop by Jams, all right? They'll they'll set you on the right path with the weekend. If you're listening here in Lacrosse, Z93, I am the voice at night on Z93, right? We'll get you turned in the right direction. We'll help you out. All right, we'll help set you on the ways of the weekend. It's good stuff. And it's it's cool artistic music that changes and evolves. I think the best artists over the course of their career change their sound, right? They evolve, they adapt. You might not like it all, but right, you got to at least, you got to respect the fact that they adapt and change uh, and they keep evolving as their career goes on. That's what makes a good artist, in my humble opinion. You may disagree, right? But I like evolution. The weekend's got some good stuff and I would recommend it. And it sounds like 80s music. Right, if you like classic music, you should like the weekend. There's something in there for you. Tomorrow, preview the Badgers, preview the Packers. We'll have a lot of fun. Enjoy your Thursday night. Back tomorrow, same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.